0: Good afternoon, as Matt said, we're continuing our series, uh, spring lectureship, summer lectureship series about one another. If you want to turn to 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 13, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 13. Tonight's theme is live with one another in peace. Live with one another in peace. We got to thinking back about um, choosing this topic, and for some reason I took a picture of it on my phone. It was February 23rd of 2020. So we were all sitting over here in these first two or three pews, and we were all informed that we had been selected to be able to present a lectureship. and we are told what the topic was about. And there's a sheet being passed around and everybody's climbing over, looking at it, trying to figure out what they want to do. Oh, I want that. And it finally got over to me and I don't, this topic really didn't jump off the page at me. Um, it wasn't anything that I thought about before, but I knew if I didn't hurry up and choose something that I thought I could make something out of, I'd have the leftovers. So, Started thinking about it, started thinking about it, and a month later, 2020 happened. COVID-19 became the number one thing that anyone was talking about. Couldn't find any toilet paper anywhere. The grocery stores were running out of stuff. Um, Everyone was told to get a mask on, socially distance, don't go to work unless you were essential. Here we began having multiple services so we could all spread out. Um, Then stricter requirements came into play and we had to move services out to the parking lot. After several weeks of that, we were slowly able to come back in here with assigned seating. But hey, we all live that, haven't we? I don't want to continue down that path. There's no need to. I think I can say for certain that 2020 and 2021 so far have been the least peaceful years that I've lived or I can remember. I don't know if that applies to everybody, but in my case it would. There's been so much turmoil, whether it involved COVID, uh, racial issues, politics, and the list could go on. But 2020 also offered time to slow down because there were not all these things going on. It offered time together with family, more time to think about the things that were important. It also offered more time to cherish the time that you got to spend, especially with your church family, because we couldn't all get together. Like I said, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 13, the latter half of the verse, six words, live in peace with one another. Sounds really simple, doesn't it? So why is it not? Well, as Jacob brought up in his lesson several weeks ago, when he's talking about being like-minded, we're all human beings. We all have different views on things because of how we're raised, because of how we're educated, because of our jobs, because of the things that we have, the things that we don't have. We're all different in ways that make each person unique. But we all become one in Christ and we have to live in peace with one another. A man tested the strength of a glass container by using it as a hammer to drive a nail successfully into a wooden plank. Next, he took a pea-sized marble and dropped it through the neck of the bottle. When the marble hit bottom, the container shattered. Resistant to blows inflicted from the outside, the bottle fell victim to destruction from within. What an outstanding example of what can happen to the church. What atheists and enemies of truth would never do from the outside, selfish and shallow church members can accomplish from the inside. Now, while peace and unity cannot be had at the expense of truth. Proverbs twenty three twenty three says to buy truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom and understanding. It should be the priority of all Christians to seek to live in peace with their brethren. So we're going to take some time this evening to look at what peace is, We're going to look at a few verses from the Bible that discuss peace. And we're going to look at some reasons that we should be pursuing peace. The word peace in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.13 is the Greek word, It means to be peaceful, to be at, to have, to live in peace, and to live peaceably. Great definition, right? Merriam-Webster defines peace as a state of tranquility or quiet, such as freedom from civil disturbance, uh, harmony in personal relationship. To me, peace is a difficult word to define. It's like trying to define happy or sad. It's something that we experience. It's hard to explain but I can't tell you what peace is like there's one time a day that I get to experience peace it happens every day it's bedtime it's the one time a day that there's a calmness in the house It's the one time a day that Jennifer and I can talk without being interrupted or questioned. It's the one time that we can clear our heads of everything that happened during the day. I mean, that's what peace is, calmness. Being able to think clearly. And while all the things i talked about at the first part are from outside, we definitely need peace within. Peace is what the church must strive for so that God's will is accomplished. So we're going to look at a, a few verses here from the Bible that talk about peace. Uh, the first one, Psalm 34 and verse 14. Psalm 34, 14. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace. And pursue it. Romans chapter 12 and verse 18. Romans 12:18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men." A couple chapters over, Romans 14 and verse 19. Romans fourteen nineteen. so then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. And then 1 Peter 3 and verse 11. 1 Peter 3, verse 11. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Now, these are a few examples that I picked picked out that talk about peace. Peace or peacefulness is an attribute of God's people. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit, as we can see in Galatians 5 and verse 22. Peace is part of the wisdom that is from above, James 3 and verse 17. We are called to be at peace with all men. So how much more should we be at peace with our brothers and sisters in Christ? One other observation about peace in the verses we've read, notice we're told to seek or pursue it. When you're seeking something, you're trying to get or achieve something. When you're pursuing something, you're trying to find or employ measures to obtain or accomplish something. This means that it is something that is active. It's not one of the things, it's not something you can just get. You can't just get peace and then check it off a list of things to do. Peace will always have to be sought. It must be worked on and towards to the entirety of life. To have peace with one another, we must be proactive rather than reactive. Once you become reactive, it is too, too late. Sure, eventually you may regain peace some point down the road, but what is going to be the cost of the time that peace was not had? There's no doubt that it is the responsibility of every child of God to do their best to keep peace in the the body of Christ. So, what are some reasons that we should pursue peace? Pursue peace because it makes things good and pleasant. Psalms 133 and verse one. Psalm 133 and verse one. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is good because it promotes harmony and cooperation. It is pleasant because unity is lovely, charming, and enjoyable. A denominational preacher met with his deacons to discuss an important recommendation to the church. After a lively debate, the deacons brought the issue to a vote. To the preacher's surprise, the raised hands indicated all but one deacon favored the recommendation. The preacher was so pleased with the balloting that he asked the one descending deacon if he would reconsider his vote so they could come to the business meeting with unanimous agreement. The cantankerous deacon gruff, gruffly replied, Preacher, as long as I'm around ain't nothing going to be unanimous. Do not let that be your legacy. We should also pursue peace because Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Matthew 5 and verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. We're to strive for harmony. Much of the contention in the world is created and maintained by haughty spirits and unyielding pride. The peacemaker abandons pride and imitates the Prince of Peace who said, I am gentle and lowly in heart. We promote peace by being hard to offend. Many are oversensitive and suspicious, lacking patience and forbearance. We can also promote peace by using our words wisely. In a world that is full of hot takes and strong opinions one way or the other, maybe we should look to James one nineteen. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. We should also think about what we say before we say it. As we're told in Colossians 4 and verse 6, we should let our speech be seasoned with salt. If we could all just slow down before anything comes out of this how much better would the entire world be? So how can we be a peacemaker? Do we have an example in the Bible? We do. If you will, turn to Ephesians chapter two. Ephesians chapter two. And we'll begin in verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall, by abolishing his flesh, the enmity which is the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by it having put to death the enmity. And he came and preached the peace, preached peace to you, who are far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So to be a peacemaker, so you're trying to bring two people who are at differences with one another, bring them back together. First thing we have to do, just as Christ did, remove everything that stands in between those who are estranged. Verses 14 through 16, He came and broke down the barrier. What was the barrier? It was the Jews and Gentiles, uncircumcised or circumcised. Christ took all that away. He took the law away once He died on the cross. He removed any problems that stood in between the two groups. Secondly, we have to think less of ourselves and more of others in the church. When Christ came down from heaven, he put on the likeness of man, and with humility went to the cross and died for us and our sins. If we are trying to bring brothers or sisters back together, we cannot go into that pridefully you will not be able to gain anything from that. You're doing it for them, and you're doing it for the, for the sake of the church. Thirdly, we can never be guilty of choosing sides. Go into trying to bring two people together again. If you are siding with one person more than you're siding with the other, there's gonna be no peace. You're not gonna get anything accomplished. You've got to be in the middle. You're there trying to bring those two together. It's not about you. It's not about anything that you think or say. You're trying to bring those two sides together. We must employ the Bible as the only guide to govern all relationships. 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, verse that we all know. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Either what's going on is right is it, and is in this book between the brother, the two brothers, the two sisters, the brother and the sisters, or it's wrong. This is the only, only God that we have. It's either right or wrong, and those, two, those things have to be decided by what's in the Bible. Next, we must pursue peace because it builds up the church. Cooperation in the church is imperative. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace, and the things by which one may edify another. Romans 14 and verse 19. Our attitude toward keeping keeping the peace in the church extends to diet and drink and every other common scene of life. Romans 14, In verse 20, Romans 14, verse 20. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are clean, but they are evil for the man who eats and gives offense. It is good not to eat meat or to drink wine or to do anything by which your brother stumbles. So if there's something going on that one of your brothers or sisters comes to you and says, Hey, this causes a problem for me. We should be willing to stop whatever that is for the sake of peace in the church. The church is a body and the chief characteristic of a body is cooperation. Just to maintain balance while standing still, one works about 300 muscles. If it takes that much effort to stand idle, how much more cooperation is needed to move forward? No one wants to be part of a bickering, cold, and divided church. However, a pure, peaceful, and pleasant atmosphere is conductive to growth. Further, a united congregation produces an environment conductive to building up, strengthening, and maturing young Christians. We should pursue peace because those who cause divisions are to be marked and avoided. Romans 16 and verse 17. Romans 16, verse 17. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. And one of the seven things that God hates in Proverbs chapter 6 is one who sows discord among brethren. I know we all have somebody in our life, whether at work or a friend, that you see them coming, and Bob touched on this last week in in his lesson Sunday morning. You see them coming, and you know, okay... What is he gonna say this time? What's the problem? What did I do wrong? What's not being done right? I hope I'm not that person to anybody. I really do. But we all have those. Everybody knows who they are. We should pursue peace because it will enable us to see the Lord. Hebrews chapter twelve and verse fourteen. Hebrews chapter twelve and verse fourteen. Pursue people, pursue peace with all people, and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. We should pursue peace because it keeps us in fellowship with the God of peace. 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 11. 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 11. Be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Another good example that we could see in the Bible is Abraham. If you think back in Genesis chapter 13, when him and Lot are coming out of Egypt, and they realize that there's not enough land for them to all stay together. Because there's already been arguments between the herdsmen. Abraham says, let there be no strife between you and me, for we are brethren. See, the kingdom that has been created, that we're part of, is a kingdom of peace. We worship the God of peace, and we follow the Prince of Peace, who left peace with his disciples. The final point I'd like to look at is to pursue peace for our leaders. If you turn back to 1 Thessalonians 5... 1 Thessalonians 5, we're going to look at verses 12 and 13. But we ask you, brothers and sisters, to recognize those who diligently labor among you and are in leadership over you in the Lord and give you instruction, and that you regard them highly in love because of the work. Live in peace with one another. We're to appreciate those who diligently labor among us and and that have charge over us. So how can we show that appreciation? We can get along. We can look for ways to promote peace rather than trying to get our ways or or pushing our ideas. If we pursue peace with one another, how much easier will we make our elders' jobs? Then they will be strictly having to worry about the external things that they try to keep watch over. We do have an obligation to them. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17, Hebrews 13 and verse 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls, as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable to you. Going back to that example of that glass container and using it to hammer a nail in. First, I would never try that. Bad idea. But the second part of that, Somebody taking them pea-sized marble and dropping it in the, the neck of that bottle, and it's shattering. Unfortunately, over the past year, I've got to see what happens when there's not peace in a church. There's division, there's split, and it's not pretty, not at all. Not saying that we have any issue with peace in this church. To my knowledge, I don't know of any problems. But it's something, like I said, that we must constantly work towards. We cannot sit back and hope somebody else takes care of it. So if there are any of those here this evening that have not been baptized into Christ, that, does, that do not know what the peace that, that comes in knowing that you're saved. Or if there's any of those here who have fallen short, who need the prayers of the saints, we ask that you come forward now as we stand and sing.